According to the U.S. Council of Foreign Relations, there are approximately 1.3 million active duty personnel currently serving in the U.S. Armed Forces, or less than one-half of 1% of the U.S. population. So what's the key to getting more people interested in a life of service? Ron Rugg served in the Army across three deployments over 13 years before getting injured and medically retiring. Since leaving the service, he stayed busy as a restaurant owner, and now he's currently pursuing his master's in physical education in order to help our special needs community with their adaptive fitness needs. He joined me this week to provide a veteran's perspective on what the U.S. needs to do to get more people in the line of duty and to reflect on his personal time in the service. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. has an interesting perspective on how to increase the number of people enlisted in the service and he says for those who embrace the lifestyle they open themselves up to limitless boundaries of opportunity by putting on the uniform I think um, I think mostly what it comes down to is the understanding what the benefits are People, a lot of people just assume joining the military is uh, a very thankless and underpaid uh, job you can go into. And there's a lot of different reasons people go in. People go in for education. They, people go in for to take care of their family. Um, people go in just because they want to serve. And so I think with understanding that there's so much more to, to serving and so much that it can do for you, and it's all about how much work you're willing to put into it, that um, I just don't think that they advertise enough. I think a lot of times that when they, when they show the commercials about joining the army or joining the national guard, a lot of times it's always these like really action Michael Bay style commercials and they don't go into what are the things that, that you can actually do while you're in the military. A lot of people don't realize you can get, um, in a short time, you can get a master's degree while serving in the military and you can do, you have your family taken care of, you have unlimited health care. you have, uh, and what by family, I mean, not just your immediate family, like wife and kids, you have the ability that if you need to, to take care of a grandparent like I did, or a, or a parent or somebody like that. And tell me, what do you, what do you think is uh, the benefits of serving for someone that may be considering uh, enlisting in the service? What do you think uh, uh, is the immediate uh, impact it'll have on their lives? So I think the, the, the most important impact it will have is security. 
the, the, once you're in and you've made it through training, you have a lot of security in that you're, you're never going to be homeless, you're never going to go hungry, and you're always going to be taken care of, no matter what, at least as the member of the military. They're not going to allow you to go without what you need in order to survive. So there's an immediate security for you and your family the moment you step foot in the military. And I think that's the biggest impact it can have on anybody, whether you're single or married. And I, uh, I obviously can have long lasting effects after your service is done. So I'm just curious about if you can uh, touch on the uh, personal effects uh, that you uh, got from serving and your time in the military as well. Sure. Um, so the biggest thing that I've suffered from is just uh, I don't have any form of severe PTSD or anything like that. I know that after having served in the military, I don't like to go to fireworks. I don't like to be near them very much. Um, but neither does my dog. So we hang out at, at an airport hotel for 4th of July weekend here in Virginia because everybody's allowed to fire off fireworks on 4th of July. So we go to an airport hotel, which is what I suggest to a lot of veterans that have that same issue because you can't fire off fireworks near an airport. So if you stay at a hotel near an airport, you're good to go. Um, the other things that, that I have uh, um, experienced mostly is just head injuries that have caused memory loss. So um, stuff like um, when my like when I get together with my parents or I get together with my fam other parts of my family and they say hey you remember that time you did this I, I will just not remember I don't have any recollection of that and a lot of times I kind of feel like a football player with CTE or anything now that doesn't mean I'm not being taken care of the VA does take care of a lot of those things I do receive disability payments for those things I receive. Um, a lot of help from from the med VA medical centers for those things, and they pay for all of the appointments, all of the checkups, all of the medications, anything that I have to do, I have to use to deal with those situations. I mean, I have other injuries. A lot of that stuff is physical, um, back injuries, knee injuries. Those those come with the territory. A lot of people think that um, you should be able to get out of the military and not have anything. And, and if you serve for a very short time, that might be the case. But you can't just get out and be okay it's like playing a, like a it's basically like playing a sport professionally i mean you're putting your body through a lot of stuff on a daily basis so uh you're going to come out with aches and pains in some way shape or form the big thing is that if you know what you're if you know what to do once you leave the military you can get that taken care of and you can get the help you need you just need to search that help out and what was your favorite part about serving um probably the people i really enjoyed um and going through and, and meeting new types of people. One of the th stories I tell often on my own show is that I grew up in central Iowa. And I don't know if you know much about Iowa, but it is a very landlocked, small population state. And most of that population is white. And I never got to work with people from other cultures, really, other than the ones that were there in Iowa. So being able to join the military and learn and I was lucky to have friends that let me ask a lot of the dumb questions about other cultures so that I could learn those things. And it really opened me up to lots of different, lots and lots and lots of different cultures. And it, it made it so that I could participate in parts of the world that a lot of people from back home would never get to see. And when we talked earlier about increasing the number of people 
to serve in the military, but I'm also curious to get your perspective on how do we uh, increase the um, the amount of diversity groups that serve as well? Well, I think um, I think the big thing is you have to appeal to the groups of people. I mean, it's it's just a simple marketing thing. Um, yeah, a lot of people are going to be really astounded to to I don't know if you've seen the more recent commercials, but a lot of the the commercials going out right now is like the search and rescue stuff and the coronavirus aid and um, helping with natural disasters and stuff. That's, that's always kind of been like the marketing ploy for National Guard and a lot of the Army stuff. But I think you have to really look at it from, um, if you want to get a certain diversity group, you look at the diversity group and you go, okay, who are, how do we appeal to directly to those people? Well, some of the ways they've done it before, especially with people who are foreign, who are not American citizens yet, but want to become one, serving the military is a very quick way to become an American citizen. And that it pretty much in, it guarantees your citizenship for the most part. And it's just a process to get that done once you're in. Um, appealing to the inner city kid versus the country kid from Nebraska is a very hard thing to do because you want to know that the inner city kid doesn't necessarily want to deal with um, going through the jungle. Now I'm paraphrasing and I'm stereotyping, but and that might not be the, the, the case. But if you have somebody who's like not real big into foreign service but wants to serve his country in a different way there's lots of different ways to serve the country serve your country it's like i started with uh infantry and i quickly moved to communications because i realized that's what i was better at and so i went to communications and learned a great deal about it and i used that a lot while i was in the military and i've been able to use a lot of that after being out of the military and um i think just appealing to not necessarily a specific cultural group or a diversity group but just appealing to the to what people are actually interested in and a lot of those kind of logistics and and side more more support jobs aren't what's highlighted by the military and i think if they did a better job of that they would get more quality people in from all over the world yeah and i'm just curious once a mil military member comes back i know uh you do a lot of work with your local veterans mm -hmm. uh, affairs office there in virginia so I'm wondering if you can comment on the work that needs to be done to support veterans once they come home from an emotional, psychological, and mental standpoint as well. So there are a lot of counseling um, that is provided to veterans if they choose to take it. Um, one of the things that I do is something called recreational therapy. And I, um, I don't necessarily work with any counselors specifically at the VA. I work through a, through a couple of VA programs for veterans to sign up through. And what it is is a, a couple of different programs, things like Heroes on the Water and Wounded Warrior Project and the Spartan Project. A lot of those types of veteran support groups do stuff to get veterans up and moving. I'm a physical education major um, after having served in the military. And what, one of the things I specialized in was um, is what they call uh, adapted physical education, which is uh, taking people and taking veterans or anybody really with any form of limitation and, uh, and adapting everyday recreational activities to them so that they can participate and they can have a, a, a form of freedom that they might not have normally gotten if, those, if they hadn't been adapted. So we do things like kayaking and hiking and we take, every summer I take a, uh, 
I take uh, and work with the School for the Blind up near Washington, D.C., and I take and we go, we go on a week-long camping and hiking trip with 10, 12 kids through the woods. They can't see anything. And the, the, the joy that they get from that is, and the positive, the positive that they get from that can be life-altering in, term, in terms of self-confidence, in terms of being able to get out of a house, um, support from other people, uh, getting to meet other kids, the social aspect of that. So I try to apply those same things to veterans and use that recreational therapy in the same way. As the unemployment rate for veterans who served on active duty in the armed forces since any point from September of 2001, a group referred to as the Gulf War Era Second Veterans was three and a half percent in 2019, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics. For all other veterans, the jobless rate stood at 3.1%. So I asked Drung, what's the key to ensuring that disabled and all other veterans get instant access to employment once they return home? Sure. Uh, there are a lot of programs and a lot of different events set up to help veterans get the support that they need before, during, and after exiting the military. There are a lot of VA-sponsored job fairs. There are a lot of job fairs sponsored by the active duty components, whether it be the Army, the Navy, Marines, whatever. They almost always have opportunities for you to go meet employers. And when you do that, um, it gets your name out there. Now, it is difficult sometimes to find out how long it's going to take for somebody to get back to you. And that, that can be a struggle. When my wife was leaving the Navy, uh, she struggled with getting anybody to give her any forms of time frames. And she applied for a job. She didn't think she would get it. And then months later, they called her and said, hey, do you still want that job? We have an opening for you. And so really what it is is a lot, of, a lot of veterans that get out of the military and don't have jobs or don't have plans is because they weren't doing anything to plan for that before they left. And they weren't using the tools that were available for them before leaving the military. Now, sometimes that's not their fault. Sometimes them leaving the military quickly isn't their choice. And that's okay. And in those cases, those people have a grievance to, to say, hey, I didn't get the support I needed. And, but there are support networks for people like that. Um, but if you're leaving a plan, if you're planning on leaving the military, whether you're retiring or just, um, just transitioning out and you haven't done any planning, then you are putting yourself at a severe disadvantage for employment or for school or anything like that. So it's, it's really important that, uh, that veterans find those resources out there. And there are tons and tons and tons of companies that are veteran advantage companies. And there are tons and tons of BFW, American Legion, um, disabled American veterans, um, that all of those organizations uh, help you write resumes. They help you, they connect you with people to help you do mock interviews. They help you with marketing yourself better to companies. And you should be able to find a job. And I know that, that, that it's tough. Uh, sometimes, but you just got to kind of stick to it. And if 
there is ever a veteran who's listening to this and needs help, or when I get my email, I'll get my email out. My, and uh, my email is ronald.rug at gmail.com. You're more than welcome to email me and I will connect you to some of those services. I have no problem doing that. I will e easily email you a, a few links back to where you can go to help, to help you get more marketable and get out to the marketplace. Well, I'm sure a lot of our viewers who are watching that would appreciate that for sure. And I also wanted to know, uh, in terms of giving you the platform and to sort of dispel some of the myths about uh, people who serve in the military or anything you wanted to educate the general public on as well. Well, I think the biggest one is that, um, that we're dangerous. That, that's always one of the bigger ones is that we're not uh, prepared to come back to what a lot of people consider normal society or civilian society or whatever. And there are some that aren't. There are some people that need more time, need more counseling and need more help. But there's a, the vast majority of veterans are just wanting to go and build their new life. And they're regular people. And most of them aren't anything to be afraid of. Most of them are just because, and I ran into this issue while I was going to um, my university, was that I tended to be one of the oldest people in the classroom all the time. And a lot of people th looked at me like I was, uh, why was I there? Because I'm old. And they didn't look at it from the standpoint of I had served in the military and now I'm here because this is the next stage of my life. Even though I'm older, I'm just like the rest of you. I'm just moving on to a new stage in life. And how, having the ability to see veterans as just other another group of people, just another person, is a really big deal and not somebody who you have to be constantly afraid of or constantly on your toes around or walking on eggshells. That's most of veterans are, are not in that not in that camp. And I know that you and your wife own a restaurant. Uh, yes. That's part of your transition out of the service and certainly with the COVID-19 pandemic, the National Restaurant Association has said that the re restaurant industry has lost something like $120 billion or a million dollars over the uh, pandemic. So I'm just wondering to get your perspective on operating a small business at this time as well. So we've only, we have only been open for just over a year. And the COVID, the COVID outbreak at first was very scary because we had employees who were afraid of working in a food service industry where they would come in contact with customers and then they had elderly grandparents and stuff like that at home. So we gave the option for anybody who didn't feel comfortable coming into work to work at off hours doing inventory and cleanup. Um, those that were okay with coming in and working with masks on, they still did that. We did downsize a little bit, um, luckily, in, the, in that downsizing, we already had people who were planning to leave because some, we are near a military base and some of our employees were military and they were already planning on transitioning and moving away anyway. So we just, we held it on to them until they transitioned and we just didn't hire new people um, because we didn't need it. Then um, luckily for us, we happened to be one of the few cafes in the area at all that had any form of delivery. So I came up with a delivery where I personally would go in and deliver from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. every day. So people could sign up for all of their orders they wanted delivered, and I would go in and I would stock the orders. I'd put everything, I'd have my, my workers would put everything together, they'd prep the orders, and then I'd come in, pick them up, and deliver them to the customers. And we'd do it in order of how they called or they 
or they voted him. And then we also got signed up with a an app that was a mobile app that allowed people to order and come curbside and pick up. And all of that kind of fell into our lap. So we got lucky in that way. And so we actually flourished some through the COVID-19 crisis. We actually increased our business because of all of the other restaurants around us closing. And I understand why all of them did, but we found a way to make it all work where everybody was safe. And uh, that is being creative is, is the biggest part and not being afraid of being creative. That's, that's the big thing is a lot of these restaurants just closed down without any form of, of plan. And they just said, okay, well, I guess we got to close. All the business is kind of closed. So we're just going to close our doors and lock up and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to open before we fail. And I just, I didn't look at it from that point of view. I looked at it from how can we continue to serve our community with the services we provide catering and coffee and food and beer and all of these different things that we provide the, our surrounding area. How can we continue to do that, but in a very different way. And so we found a way to do that. And that's how we were able to stay up, stay going and flourish. Yeah, I want to make sure that we give you the opportunity to continue to do that. So anyone in Virginia who wants to visit your restaurant, tell me a little bit more about it, what it's called, and uh, what's your service there, Brian? So, yes, sure. So we are in Hampton, Virginia. We are near Langley Air Force Base, and the NASA, that is the NASA Research Center out here. And we are called Sweet Beans, and we are a coffee bar, which is... We serve light, we serve kind of light foods, finger foods and stuff like that. But also we do a lot of events like paint nights and trivia and karaoke and all those types of things. And then we also have a 16 tap self-pouring beer wall, which is one of the things that saved us during COVID because we decided, excuse me, we decided to get uh, growlers because of, because of the way that the restaurants were forced to shut down, the governor allowed people that, that even if you had any form of alcohol license, people could take that alcohol to go. So we serve beer, cider, and wine out of taps. And so we got growlers that allowed, 32 ounce growlers that allowed customers to come in, fill, buy the growler and fill it up. And then every time they came in, they brought their empty one in, we would take it, we would clean it, and we would give them a new growler that's clean to, to uh, take in and fill up with. And then that allowed, um, allowed kind of a growler exchange. And that was one of the things that really helped us through that time. And now that we're back to about 75% capacity, what we're doing is we just, we took down a lot of tables and stuff like that and um, just spaced everything out. So if you want to find us, uh, you can find us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash sweetbeanscb, um, or just search for sweetbeans on Facebook. I'm sure you'll find it. We are also on Instagram. You can find us there, sweetbeanscs on, sweet, on Instagram. And uh, we don't have, a website quite yet we've been working on that for about a year and we're just trying to find the right fit for somebody to build that for us and i know that you uh are working on your master's as you mentioned earlier in adaptive education so i'm yes. just curious if you could tell me what's the best part for you for working with people with disabilities i think the no matter who it is from little kindergarten kids all the way up to adults that are that have any form of limitation, I really enjoy providing them something, providing them the ability to do something that they haven't been able to do before, that they haven't been able to um, go out and and ride in a kayak on on an open water in a bay. They haven't been able to 
ride a bicycle in a, in a race. They haven't been able to do a lot of these different types of things, play a, a team organized sport even sometimes. And so uh, I just enjoy the, the happiness I get to bring to them. It, it really is being able to see the look on a kid's face when they get to start their own fire after living a life secluded because some people don't, didn't understand how to really allow them to flourish um, is something that you just, you can't imagine how great that feels to see the joy on their face. And then just finally, what would be your parting message to veterans who have served, thinking, of course, thinking about serving, or a uh, message that you want to bring as a military as a whole? Yeah. Um, so for all of those that are thinking of serving, it is a great way for you, even if you serve for a very short time, a great way for you to figure out who you are and who you want to be. For those that have already served, the, what I say to them is never stop trying to be the best version of yourself. Go, you were, you were doing that when you were in the military, now you have to apply that to every part of your life other than just when you wake up in the morning and when you kick your boots off at night. There's, there's so much more, there's so many more responsibilities living in a civilian world now. Um, to, the veter to veterans and active duty military and everything as a whole, I just wanna say thank you because a lot of what I do is because of them and without them, I wouldn't have all the passions that I have. So I appreciate all of their participation and everything that I've done. Hey, Ron, we want to take a few seconds to thank you uh, for your appearance today. It was a wide-ranging and terrific discussion on a wide range of issues. So I want to thank you for your time and for be being with us today. Thanks so very much. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great being here with you. I never got a chance to really talk about this specifically um, outside of my own my own conversations. So thank you so much for bringing me on and not making me be the one in charge. <laughs> well, uh, it's nice to be on the other side of the camera, right? Yeah, I know. It's been very interesting. So thanks so much.